All right. We are on. Hello, everybody. Oh, I feel like it was a battle to get here. It's been a while. Cooking creme brulee. Um, Which is super good, by the way. Your creme brulee. Well, thank you. I wasn't fishing for a compliment, but actually, I do agree. It is pretty good. I'm just hoping you give some to me, save some. I might have. I might have a couple for you. The nice thing about cooking it at home, too, while we're on the topic, is that the best part of creme brulee, obviously, which creme brulee means burnt cream, is my understanding in like French or creme brulee sounds much nicer and fancier than burnt cream <laughs> it's more frencher um anyways uh the best part is the top yeah where it's like crunchy Cr- uh the sugar is burnt but when you make it at home you can eat the top off and then re the top add more <laughs> Yes. Uh, it has that kind of, you know, in s'mores when you burn the, the outside of the marshmallow and then you peel it off and then you mm-hmm. can do it again. But it never oh, yeah. quite turns out the same, I don't think. It's not, yeah, it's not as good. Okay. Anyhow. I wonder if people aren't able to even focus on what we're saying if they're watching Cause us. Because they're looking at these guns. Because Ben doesn't not, have a shirt on. Uh, that is not straight. Um, I do not like that video it's not centered sorry okay keep people busy for a second here okay it's been how long since we've done a podcast i think at least two months or six weeks something like that so feels good to be back on here um all right, Ben got that straightened out. Working out some kinks. Yeah. Um, okay, we have a sponsor for this episode. The only reason yes. why I'm not wearing a shirt now is I wanted to show you guys this shirt. Yeah. Cammy, you want to read this? Yep. How do I read it? Okay, it's a little confusing. Okay, right? so I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you. Stay with me, okay? <laughs> Love the sinner, hate the sin. However, this shirt has all the words crossed off except for love. So the sinner hate the sin is all crossed off and then in bold is the word love. And I'm also wearing one. And these shirts were provided to us by a company called Queerly Beloved. Q-U-E-E-R-L-Y-B-E-L-O-V-E-D which is where you can find them on Instagram. Yeah, I really like the red too. And these shirts, they gave me these shirts a long two years ago. time ago. Sorry. And I haven't worn them once because I'm oh. like, shit, I need to get that on an episode. But yeah. I just like, I felt bad. Um, and I really do like the message, which growing mm-hmm. up in the church, this is something we heard all the time. Love the sin or hate the sin. And it sounds nice on the surface, which is like, oh, I can love people, but of course I'm going to have my own beliefs. Well, what I started to believe is that anytime you have a moral standard that um, dictates 
even how you love people or if you love them or if it excludes them, it's going to impact your ability to love and be in relationship with them, which is like very problematic when it comes to your kids. Mm-hmm. So this, this statement, love the sinner, hate the sin, implies that you can have your cake and eat it too, but actually you can't really love someone that way, I don't think. I agree. So now I've come to see that love the sin or hate the sin is basically a phrase that is um, just used to justify highbrow moral codes and have people kind of uh, be able to sleep at night and live with themselves, which is all great. We all need to sleep at night. But I would also prefer people just called a spade a spade and said that love the sin or hate the sin is basically just a way to exclude those people when you find it convenient to do that. Okay, enough about that. Um, Today we're going to be talking about apologizing to kids. Oh, we need to roll the intro. Let's do that. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. Aha, now that we have begun... (laughs) and I need to set my timer. Um, Let's just tell a story, because this is not theoretical. This is real life, and you wanted to skip this episode? Mm, I don't know if I wanted to skip it as much, just kick it down the (laughs) curb a little ways, but... A.K.A. skip it. Yeah, I, I figured... I actually think it's a really important story for people to hear parents especially and it's actually really fresh on my mind because it happened so recently so I there's a, there's energy there um, so I do think I just decided okay I'll do this but it feels vulnerable because it's so recent um, so I started feeling uh, in the last few months that there's just these things that kept coming up in my mind of memories of how I did or didn't show up for my kids and certain things that I did or I let happen to them that I really feel... Uh, I feel so do I feel regret I don't understand what does regret even mean I feel um, that I wanted to communicate to them that the way I am now and the, the ways that I have changed uh, their mom now sees those things as not something I would have wanted to happen to them and something I would have wanted to protect them from, uh, for myself or for you. Can we use real examples here? Yeah. I hardly know what you're talking about. I can't even hardly understand you. Okay. So I have a feeling if people out there don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'll use the biggest example and that is spanking. Uh, we used to believe oh should i just talk about myself like i used to no, believe talk about me you want me to talk about you too absolutely okay we used to believe that spanking was okay and not only was it okay 
you, if you really loved your kid, you would use that type of discipline on them, which when I say it that way, sounds extremely fucked up, but that is like what we believed. And we, um, had verses in the Bible since we believed in the Bible, we had verses in the Bible that backed that up. So there was times. I don't think when, it sounds fucked up. Well, I just don't believe in it. I don't feel the need to practice that form of violence anymore. But I understand yeah. why I did it then, and I understand mm-hmm. why people do it now. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty judgmental statement, and. I'm just kind of preparing for the judgment we're going to receive on this on any which side. So maybe okay. part of that is well, there, that's still something I'm working through, I guess. Totally. Like and me. you can see it that way. I just don't see it that way. Um, well, maybe I should even say what that, that even means that that looks, this feels totally fucked up. Cause like I, if I unpack that, I think it would be more nuanced. I feel like it would be more of that, to believe in that certain way feels really not something I can align with now. But it made sense to me back then and I really uh I really did believe it. And I and I do I mean that that brings a whole nother topic, which I don't want to go too far down a rabbit trail, which is how do you what does it look like to forgive yourself or to uh, not even forget, like just accept your past self and say, that's who I was and that's okay. Oh, I love it. I think, I think I mean, we're going to be going there. Topic. Yeah. I guess it, it does kind of go along with this topic today. Um, but like for me, um, if we're going to talk about regret and looking at the past, one thing I think is clear from hearing you and what, where I also stand is that when I look at my past, I now feel a certain degree of sadness about things yeah. that I wasn't able to feel back then. Yes. So if that's regret, or mm. if we want to call that um, grief, grief, yeah, or something else, loss. I mean, or just or evolvement, because like anytime mm-hmm. you you evolve, you can start to see based upon what you have now what you didn't have then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can be a hard thing to acknowledge that. Yes. Back then we thought we were awesome parents. And then now our definition of what an awesome parent has changed. And we look back and we're like, oh, that doesn't seem as awesome now. Mm -hmm. So whatever that gap is, first of all, I think it's great. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that you are able to evolve and look at yourself five or ten years ago and say, oh, I'm not where I was. That is, number one, cause for celebration. That's why I, I don't. Um, I guess there's just different. Well, it's cause for it. celebration, but I, I still think that you need to. I need to have room to grieve and to feel sad and to process, even by saying like that was fucked up. I don't. I don't want to always be there. Like I don't want to always stay with. Oh, that was so fucked up. What I did, but I feel like it's part of that. This process that I'm on, um, and there was also this big thing for me and that is I never and I don't even say this to I I don't know I'm not trying to say like I'm uh whatever um I like never felt great about spanking I believed it and I I did it 
and I supported, you know, you or whatever, this mode of parenting. But I, looking back, I wasn't listening to myself. And that actually, I feel sadness over that, that there was, that I didn't um, value or trust myself and my judgment enough to say like, this doesn't feel right to me, but I like ignored it and just did it anyways. So I'd like to spend just a minute and talk about why back then, what our mindset was around spanking. Yeah. Because basically there's this kind of mindset, I think, that the ends justify the means and that we have this goal with our kids, which is to turn them into decent human beings that love people and that um, basically... uh, we try and sway them from certain behaviors towards other behaviors and ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. So like um, if a kid sneaks candy and eats candy instead of reading a book per se, we might say, okay, well, we're going to spank you because I want you to learn that candy is going to hurt you. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your teeth. Um, And reading is good for you. So if I provide this physical pain, it will associate as an as a deterrent with this other behavior which was sneaking or stealing and eating candy and therefore it might save you more harm in the long run even though i'm causing this kind of like short-term harm now Mm -hmm. i'm doing it in relationship i'm doing it because i love you these are all the things we would say then yeah um i'm doing it because i care about you and in the grand scheme of your life, it will actually cause you less harm because let's say you sneak less or you steal less, which is probably a decent, good thing. Mm -hmm. And you eat less Sour Patch Kids, which is probably also a decent and good thing. And you read more. I was a part of that as a parent. And that's kind of our job as parents is to shape our kids. Our, their behavior to shape Mm. their behavior. Well, we thought shaping their behavior would shape their hearts. Um, and we, because we came from a religious mindset, we thought that our kids need to obey us and learn how to obey us so that they'll obey God. And so if they don't obey us, then that's like really bad because then they won't obey God. And yeah, I, I, I think we actually believed if you shape behavior, you'll shape a heart. But, you know, we didn't realize that, well, now, like, I don't think that that you can actually do that well the opposite can in fact happen yeah sometimes when you shape behavior it does shape the heart but not in the way you wanted to and it builds resentment it builds um anger it builds frustration i didn't everything that comes as a byproduct of violence actually yeah i didn't realize back then how much freedom autonomy agency a human being needs to actually thrive and if they don't have that it actually isn't great and i would adapt that for my belief to say how much a human being benefits because i don't think they need it i think we humans are very adaptable can survive in crazy i think they need it to thrive that could be true i mean or at least to thrive better i don't know i have no doubt that humans benefit when they when they are able to make decisions about their own uh, well-being and that there are in fact ways to impact these decisions but violence mm. 
is very rarely a good long-term way to do this. And so I guess to, to summarize my beliefs about spanking or violence, I don't think it's bad or evil per se. And for parents that are still doing it, I think, you know, I understand some of the reasons behind it, the popular ones out there at least. But I also think spanking is oftentimes just another form of justified violence. And when you teach violence, when you teach spanking, there is the lesson about the Sour Patch Kids, but you're also teaching kids that violence is a good solution. And sometimes it is. If a kid is running for the street, I'll have no problem tackling them down before a car hits them. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if someone is attacking my family, I have no problem using defense or guns or fists or knives to stop an alligator or a murderer from killing my kids. But I'm also all for looking for more effective forms of engagement whenever possible Mm -hmm. that help accomplish the type of relationship and I want with my kids. And the, the most, the best relationships I have on this planet do not use violence as the chief building block or tool. Yeah, and just to like breathe some compassion into my past self and just into people who still like spank and stuff, it actually makes a lot of sense when you step back and you look at our culture. Like, I think it's really easy to look at people that spank and say, like, I can't believe you do that. But when you look at our culture, our culture is very, is founded on violence. Like, there's, there's so much violence that is still being perpetuated within like a lot of our systems um, in our culture. It's just not as direct as yeah. spanking. It's not as direct as going to war and killing people, um, but it's still a form of it. And most people are okay with many forms of violence. Yeah, if they're more like um, covert. Yeah, so if you eat meat, as an example, mm-hmm. that animal was brutally, more than likely, brutally slaughtered. And didn't have a humane life to, to begin with. get into your mouth. Yeah. So, Which, so, by the way, we eat meat. So, so don't say, say. <laughs> like, uh, oh, I'm so against violence. I mean, like, just be careful with that. Because I feel like it's easy to look at these um, more blatant forms. It's easy to label certain acts of violence as that's bad, that's evil, but then there's these other forms of violence that we're all still participating in. Okay, so that's the backstory. And then we get to where we are. I think we're more evolved. I feel like we're less violent. We've taken drastic efforts to get to where we are changed. We don't spank. Yeah. Well, not, and not only do we not spank, we don't even do like uh, timeouts time yeah. or really any form of retributionary punitive discipline. But I actually, but I want to say like we didn't get there overnight and it was like a huge, huge process to get to where I'm at today. I, I don't think I could have handled at least no timeouts for most of my parenting. Like I, w- I would have probably I like needed that I think I mean I don't know just where I was at like it was like that's no one else gave me something different so it was like okay well this is what we got to do to feel sane as a parent or to feel like we're doing a good job or something 
And now I feel like I have a lot more resources uh, within myself to respond to my child in a, a different way when Which, they don't do what I'm asking them to do. If if someone uses timeouts, I'm actually fine with that, even though I don't do it anymore either. Mm-hmm. What I'm not fine with is telling the kid that you're doing it for their benefit. If as a parent, you need to control your tiny human to get through the day and feel okay about yourself. But, but what if you believe that, though? If you believe what? That you're doing it for them. Then then look at the to... research. You're you're basically ignorant or lying to yourself. like, Or, or at least yeah. unlo- if you're unwilling to learn better ways. Because... So Alfie Cohn is a Harvard uh, professor, I believe, who's written a number of books on this topic. Um, like w- one of his most famous books or lectures called, I think, Beyond Rewards and Punishments. And he talks about, there's like scientific studies that show that that type of correction does not work in the long run with chi- children. Not even correction, but even rewarding. Mm-hmm. External behavior, it almost always backfires. Mm-hmm. One of the stranger examples was at a playground, when kids were nice to other kids, when parents came along and said, good job being nice, they found that kids were actually less nice from that point forward mm. because they started to shift whatever it was that made them want to be nice to begin with. Now they start to do it when people are watching more. Instead of it being an internal thing that they decide to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so in the long run, externally controlling other humans or attempting to do that backfires. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can, you know, people still do it. And there's like, you know, it's yeah. okay if you do, but let's, what we're about is trying to look for more effective methods that facilitate your goals. Mm-hmm. And I think there's better goals than controlling other humans. I think relationship and intimacy is for me more fun and more interesting mm-hmm. than saying like, oh, I got that human out of my house and they never smoked one goddamn cigarette. <laughs> it's like, okay, if that's your bar of success, like, yeah, violently controlling your kids and putting them in timeout or grounding them so that you can, in your mind, think that you're making the world a better place by them not smoking, that's one way of parenting. Mm-hmm. Okay, shit, we're getting well, so- in the weeds. Yeah, so now uh, to go back to my story, I was feeling this, I feeling this like gap in this between who I am now and how I parented and how they experienced my, me in the past and wanting to, to communicate with them that what I felt about that and just to, which is I felt sorry and I felt um, sad and I felt uh, that I am different now and I want to share that. And, and I think they could see that I'm different, but I, I just felt this need to just, I want to communicate it. And I, I had this idea of writing each of them a letter, the four oldest kids. Um, and I, I kept dragging my feet for what, I don't know, for whatever reasons. Um, and finally Ben had the idea of, well, we have this fireside chat that we, started doing a month ago every Monday night with the kids just to kind of talk about whatever around the fire. And he said, well, why don't you just bring it up then? And I was like, uh. You had all these excuses. Yeah. But then after I thought through it, I 
I actually thought that that was probably a good idea. Um, it was just uh, scarier in a way, but definitely more efficient and and really a way to like have the kids give immediate feedback and in a group setting. And it was extremely uncomfortable, um, but I also felt lighter after I did it. And I, and so I definitely did it for them, but I also did it for myself. Um, and I just started just sharing this stuff and they were super receptive. And can I, can yeah. I interrupt and yep. give a, more, a little more detail? Mm -hmm. You shared about general ideas we had about parenting and general practices. Mm -hmm. And then you also shared a few specific stories about yeah like specifically times about me disciplining the kids mm -hmm. and times when you feel like I crossed lines and when you didn't speak up or intervene. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Which I'm not, I'm certainly not at all going to deny. Uh, I don't want to really go into detail just because I don't think it um, will benefit us. But um with probably 10 years of discipline plus, I would say, mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where like I lost my temper and the line between doing something out of a child's interest and doing something because I'm pissed, mm -hmm. it's like so hard to tell the difference. Yeah, and when you're operating already okay with that form of violence, it's really easy to slip into this like justification. I mean, you're already justifying violence just in general. So now it's really easy to slip into this other justification of your acting out of your emotions. Yeah. And also, like, if you're going to be the type of person that shows up in our comment section and is like, you guys are terrible. I can't believe you did that. It's like, shut the fuck up and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> because, like, we're just telling you the story. Like, uh, of our evolution. Yeah. And we don't need your judgment. It's not going to help us. We don't really care. Um, we've come to, ex I, I think there needs to be these two hands, one that says, I did that mm -hmm. and I wish I didn't and I'm glad I don't now, mm -hmm. but also like that was me and I accept myself then and I accept mm -hmm. myself now because the fact of the matter is if you're evolving and growing in 10 years from now, you're going to be looking at yourself now and being like, what a dumbass, I can't believe I did that. So we could spend our entire life saying... What a dumbass. I can't believe I did that. Or we can say, you know what? Back then, I was doing the best I could. Yeah. And I believe that about every fucking person listening to this right now, that five years ago, you were doing the best you could. Ten years ago, you were doing the best you could. If you can't accept and love your past self, you're not going to be able to accept and love people who are still at that point and still doing those things. Um, which is fine, but it's just going to be limiting. One of the ways this really revolutionized my life actually was, and how I think it hit me first, was I was very disappointed by my parents for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I think I heard parts of their story that made me realize, fuck, hmm. what if they were doing the best they could? And that thought had never occurred what to me. What if they're actually evolved beings from their parents? Totally. How they were parented, which I think they... <laughs> and I have just found that that stance, sometimes we don't want to believe that about other people because we believe 
we're trying so much harder and we put our identity and like the amount of effort we exert uniquely, mm-hmm. but we don't know other people's stories. And um, I think it's so much more compassionate to be able to assume that past versions of yourself and other people are doing the best that they can. And that looks like very different things. And fucking A, our five-year-old is doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. And our 18-year-old right now, I mean, it's this is true all over the place. Okay, mm-hmm. that was a tangent. Um, so you're sharing at the fire these stories. Yeah. And it was really kind of incredible um, because I'm sharing this stuff. And then I think my kids started feeling safe enough to bring up other stuff, like stuff that I hadn't thought of or I didn't know hit them in a certain way back then. Um, Yeah, like just, oh, yeah, when you did this, you know, when I was four, that was really, I really didn't like that. And I, it was, it was like a, a window into them um because you you never quite know as a parent what things are gonna uh be harmful to your kids some things are obvious you know other things aren't and every we have six kids and they're all gonna have different experiences with even the same type of parenting um it was so cool what happened i would say there was almost an hour of the kids just telling stories. Some and of it was humorous. Some of it was heavy. Well, yeah, a lot of it was both. Uh-huh. A lot of it, it was mixed. them talking about their pain. Yeah. And laughing and because... Sharing it together. Yeah, and saying like, mom and dad did this and this is my <laughs> scary moment. And we they stories about them being terrified about losing dessert privileges or me walking into the room when they were sucking their thumb, which was something that we tried to deter for a while for God knows any number of reasons. Um, when they got caught sneaking things and just, mm-hmm. just sharing feelings of both the terror of getting caught or punished and what it did to them and things that they hid and things that they regretted and just story after story after story after story. And I watched a nut, like all of this was happened, I think, because you kind of made it this safe place and just said like, hey, this happened. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've learned about pain and like pain in individuals and even history is people don't like to talk about it. Like when someone dies, we say like, oh, we have these fancy words like passed on or went or something. And even when people get cancer, like it's one of those things you don't want to bring up. And and when someone gets, but this also is true, I've learned about like excommunication. Like when people get kicked out of a church or a community, it's mm-hmm. just easier not to talk about them anymore. You almost like forget that they exist. But these people and these parts of our past do exist. And the kids were now acknowledging these things and I watched them just come alive with each other I could tell like they hadn't even they were almost embarrassed to talk to each other about them because here's the other thing that happens when you spank a kid they think it's their fault Hmm. it's just like when someone gets raped like the reason why they're afraid to go to the police you know is they're embarrassed and ashamed even though they didn't do anything like it wasn't their fault Mm -hmm. society is conditioned to suppress pain and people that remind us of things we don't like 
And it's hard for rape victims to talk about it. Yeah. And it's hard for kids to talk about being spanked. They feel like it's their damn fault, even if they didn't do anything. They just showed up. Yeah. But now the kids are talking about it with each other. And I just yeah. watch this like thing happen hmm. where it's like, um, I don't know. It's like these stories that have lied dormant for 15 years. They had the ability to, in that moment, reshape them in their minds and say, that, oh, yeah, that wasn't my fault or... Oh yeah, I wasn't alone. Like everyone, other people had the same feelings, and oh, my mom says that that wasn't right that they did that. I I felt that, but I didn't actually, I couldn't actually believe it for myself until I heard that. And they're seeing alternatives now. Mm. You know, because this yeah. is one of the other things I think happens is when you when you don't process pain or metabolize it, it always comes up somehow yeah and i think this can be in the form of depression or mental illnesses or anxiety or all sorts of things oftentimes it comes up when they're it's their turn to parent their own kids yeah and they find themselves repeating behaviors that they swore they never would this is why fucking swearing off something is never enough mm -hmm. you can't just be like my parents sucked. I'm going to not suck. <laughs> like, it doesn't work like Good that. Good luck with that. Unless you find a way to work through the model that you were given and the pain that was caused to you, yeah, it will still be there. It needs to be metabolized. And I, I just watched, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of funny, but it's true. Like, I watched like thousands of dollars worth of therapy just like happening before my very eyes. Because that's the shit people go to therapy for. It's to talk about, oh, I did this. And the therapist is like, oh, wow, that must have hurt. Or the guy's like, done to me, yeah. Yeah, and the guy's like, oh, I didn't even realize that that hurt, but I guess it did. Mm. And the therapist is like, well, have you tried this other way? And the person's like, oh, no, I never even thought about that. <laughs> um, but this was happening right before my very eyes. The kids were metabolizing the pain mm. and normalizing it enough to be able to say, this is what how it impacted me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I said, you know, if you have other stuff that come up, if this sparks things that you haven't, you know, later on you want to talk about, I am here to talk about it with you if you want. And so, yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful moment. So beautiful. Yeah. Now my experience was a little bit different. Not not wildly, but a little bit. Yeah. In that I had a little bit more of a hang-up with apologizing um, just because, like, I didn't see what we did as wrong. And it's not, like, mm -hmm. it's more because I just, I'm in a stage where those categories aren't super helpful for me right now. Yeah. Um, and so, in a way, Which like I said. Which doesn't mean you're, it does, sorry for cutting you off, but it, it do, that doesn't mean you're not owning it. Like, I feel like Correct. those are two different yes, things. Yes, I, I was completely able to say I did these things, and I actually think that there was negative effects on you guys' life and our relationship. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that actions are the best apology, mm -hmm. and we have I have changed my actions dramatically to yeah. become less violent towards the kids. Yeah. Um, I, th I think I had more of a need to communicate the change in words yeah um but yeah i don't think you and i needed to have the same need with that but i think i i 
to a certain degree, I had to work through some of my hangups also. Mm. And I think it's totally, there's times where it's totally beneficial being the bigger person, literally and figuratively in the parent-child relationship, where it's okay, this is what I had to tell myself, it's okay to apologize even when you're not wrong. Like apologizing isn't just about being right or wrong. Sometimes it's actually just about building a bridge in a relationship. Mm. Um, Because like I said, like I was doing the best I could. And while I still acknowledge that that had a negative impact on the relationship, you know, I don't know. It just gets a little confusing to me in terms of, cause we could, you know, I'm doing the best I can now, but should I apologize in 10 years for what I'm doing now and the ways that it hurt people? Like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I had to move past that and just say, you know, this isn't about uh, right or wrong for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to completely own things that I did, whether they're being acknowledged or not, because I think some more stuff might come to the surface in the future. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that, yes, I did those things and that this results in that. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to make amends and do whatever I can to make our relationship better for the future. If that means apologizing, great. If that means changing, great. If that means paying for therapy, great. I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Which I think is like, you know, at the end of the day, one of the worst things I think you can do for your kid, not that you were doing this, but is to apologize and then not, and not change. change. That's a fucking... That is so... That's conf- a scam. Confusing, yeah, um, for the relationship. That's just manipulation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's, is that gaslighting where you're like, oh, I'm sorry I did that, but then you... Mm, not directly. Not directly. Gaslighting yeah. is, uh, my understanding of the definition, is when you say or do something that makes people think that they're crazy. So if you continually apologize... But then still do, yeah. Or if a child comes to you and says like, you did this and you're like no i didn't i apologize for that and you dismiss their feelings Mm. and override them with your power or intellect that could lead to gaslighting or be a form of it yeah eventually um so this night around the fire was amazing Mm -hmm. it was amazing just to witness the freedom of my kids talking about these painful things from their past openly And I believe that Cami facilitated that environment and created a place where that was even possible through her apology. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that drives me crazy about this YouTube channel and some of the communication I've got over the years is people see some crazy shit that we do. And then they say something like, I wish we would have parented differently, but it's too late for us. They say something like that. And I'm like, one you don't need to go run marathons. That's not your gig. That's our gig. Mm -hmm. Two, it's never too late, I don't think, to apologize to kids. And be a different parent, even if your children are adults. And to say to yourself and to others, I wish I would have known then what I know now. Mm -hmm. And... 
I'm sorry if this hurts you. And is there anything I can do? to like make it better for our relationship in the future. And by the way, this isn't about like thrashing yourself either and mm -hmm. saying like, oh, I was a shitty parent, so I'm gonna beat myself up and um, give you- Which would be really ironic in the case of apologizing for spanking than if you like uh, figuratively start spanking yourself for <laughs> doing that. It's like, well, <laughs> like, you're you're being violent to yourself like even in your thought patterns by saying oh i was i was so bad or i can't believe i did that or those types of statements yeah but i don't think it's ever too late to apologize no. um and it doesn't need to mean that you are wrong it just means you have a new way of seeing the world now which is hopefully more evolved and less violent and more conducive to relationships. Mm -hmm. And that part of being human is fucking shit up. Uh, and we all do it. And we all um, operate in ways that are less than optimal all the time. And that's like, okay. Yeah. And to talk about it is okay. Not only okay, it actually will build the relationships for the future and allow our kids to go beyond our parenting abilities and sets them up to not have to repeat the same things that we did. Mm -hmm. And I think if by being okay with making mistakes or making, or you're yourself 10 years from now looking back and saying, oh, I would do things differently now. I think if you are okay with those things, then it makes you be able to move, move in the world and as a parent without this like fear of messing up because you just have this belief that I'm doing the best I can right now. I'm doing the best I can in this moment. And otherwise I think you, it's, it, not very fun to be crippled with fear all the time thinking oh no am i messing my kids up to just be like first of all being a human you're going to mess things up and that's okay um but yeah i just think to be released from that fear and just to say it's, it's you're gonna it's gonna be okay totally like and that's where i feel like people get so hung up and in the past, I was so hung up on, like, wanting to be a good parent and and tell people I'm a good parent yeah. and prove to the world and the kids that I'm a good parent. Well, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like people that are fixated on being good parents are usually really afraid. <laughs> they're afraid, and they're not able to listen to the evidence in their life that usually comes from small voices that they might, in fact, have some shitty aspects to their parenting. Or another way of putting it is... There might be ways that their parenting is negatively impacting other people, our kids. Yeah. So instead of saying I'm a good parent or bad parent, how about I'm just a parent? Mm -hmm. And my actions in the past have positively impacted kids and negatively impacted kids. And my actions right now are positively impacting people, mm -hmm. and they're also negatively impacting some folks. And I want to learn from both of those people. 
And if if yeah. you're a person who's been negatively impacted from me, especially if you're my family, I want to I want you to speak up and let me know. Mm-hmm. And it's, when you come to me, instead of me saying like, no, you, I, that's not possible because I'm a good parent, which is kind of what subconsciously happens. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it even makes us, if you're having a hard time processing the past and accepting certain parts of yourself, like it's embarrassing, it probably is because you have this idea of yourself in the past that you were a good parent and the data conflicts with it. So you're not willing to face it. But the mm-hmm. problem with that is you're not going to learn from it. And you're not, the irony is you're not going to become a better parent right. by focusing on how much of a good parent you thought you were. Right. So when we're able to just accept things the way they are and not judge them, even ourselves, mm-hmm. we can incorporate the data and just be okay like we're all just fucking parents we're all doing the best we can mm-hmm. we all are hitting some grand slams every once in a while and singles and doubles and then we strike out at times and like let's talk about it all yeah and i think if you can accept that in yourself as a parent your kids will then be able to accept their mistakes better and their shortcomings but man like that, I mean, that's, that's a, I don't know if you call it a skill or that's a way of moving in the world that I, is so much more helpful for me to just like accept all aspects of who I am. All right. I feel like I'm done. Yeah. It's a, this is a heavy topic. Was it? For me. Yeah. Yeah. Good. But I think a very important one because I feel like it's very relevant to every parent, but really every human. So So if you like our t-shirts, the moral story is go and cop one at Queerly Beloved. That's their Instagram handle. Why is a kid pounding on the door right now? I'm going to go spank him. (laughs) Um, Okay, better roll the outro before bad things happen. See you guys next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.